This is Jarvis Leatherby of the band Night Demon, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott here. And uh, I'm back. Yeah, you have been on the road. The, and, on the uh, road. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what this whole week's about, right? Is uh, Well, first of all, I should say, uh, of course, this is usual, Focus on Metal, and, uh, and joined in the studio by, uh, by Richie, who has been out and about interviewing all kinds of folks. So uh, that's what this week is, is a, a collection of a couple of road interviews that, uh, that Richie did. Yeah. And uh, pretty cool ones as well. Yeah, well, it took me a few years to, uh, to do them. Um, I figure... You know, I've been doing the show long enough now that I'll try and schedule a few in-persons. Yeah. And um, so the first one is with uh, Jordan Rudess from Dream Theater. We've never had anyone from Dream Theater on nope. the show. And it was pretty easy to schedule. Like the class organization, um, I emailed Jordan, who CC'd the band's manager. And then a week before the show, I contacted the manager again. And then he CC'd the road manager and we just set it up and Jordan was there and we did the interview. Yeah. S- s- like seamless. Yeah. No problem whatsoever. Like tr- you, some of the phone interviews, like pulling your fucking hair out. <laughs> and you think they'd be the easier ones to, to right. pull off. But yeah, yeah the funny thing was um, when I went into the, we did it in the hotel with, uh, with Jordan because uh, we didn't want to do it at the venue because it was too loud. Yeah. And you, you don't know who's going to be walking in and out, which was nice of them. They could have just said, look, get your ass to the venue. And right. if it's loud, tough. And um, so I walked into the hotel and Jordan was standing in the in the lobby. Like he, of course, I'd never met him. Yeah. And it was like 20, 25 minutes before the interview. So I didn't go near him. Right. Because I'm not going to do that. He, And... You know, because he could have been waiting to meet someone, which he actually was. Yeah. And I didn't want to go over and get in the way and all that. So so I sent the, the tour manager um, a text message and he came down and I was shooting the shit with him for 15 minutes. And he'd been with the band for 14 years. And then he started, we started talking about the fans yeah. and where the fans are the wildest in the world. And he was saying, oh, they're nuts in South America. And he was telling me all these stories. And then he said when he wasn't with, doing, before he was doing the Dream Theater tour, he was doing the Megadeth and the Lamb of God tour. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, fuck, I'd love to have talk to him. He'd be, he'd be some guy to interview. He'd be a great guy to have yeah. on. Yeah. And um, so maybe in the future we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll yeah, talk maybe. to him. Yeah. But um, yeah, we sat down with Jordan. It was, uh, it was beforehand, it was agreed 20 minutes. Yeah. And I did 20 minutes with him and he, he couldn't have been nicer, you know. Yeah. Um, just a very, very nice guy, you know, because... Yeah. I'd never met the guy before. Right. And um, we talked a lot about the new album. And, you know, I threw in a few curveballs here and there. Um, but yeah, just really nice, thoughtful guy. Mm. Like, And again, like, he was the guy I contacted. He could have just blew me off and said no. Right. And so my first in-person interview was with one of the guys in a band that I absolutely love. Right, yeah. And I, was, I was pretty nervous, actually. You know, <laughs> I've never really done one before. Like, we've done interviews. Yeah. We both did Jeff Pilson mm-hmm. and you did Michael Wilton. Yeah. So I'd never done one on my own. Mm-hmm. And um, the Night Demon one was, um, I was, <laughs> that got a bit screwed up because uh, 
I had no passes or tickets when I got there yeah. after being told that they were going to be there. And, right. But I met Jarvis Letterby, really, really nice guy, fucking super live band, real old school, new album, you know, metal. Right. And um, I talked a lot before I even did the interview, spent 35 minutes with him, went in at a beer. We spent another 20, 25 minutes shooting the shit about music and various things. And he even said to me after I, after, after, you know, after he left me, do not leave until you say goodbye to me. He said, you're not to go. And I, I made sure I did. And he yeah. said, the next time I'm in town, he said, hit me up. We'll go for something to eat and a few beers and everything. I was like, you know, fantastic. He said, he really enjoyed doing the interview with me. Yeah. And there's a band now that they have a plan. They're, you know, it, the music business is tough. Yeah. And, um, you know, the guitarist is gone. They've the, the guy who produced the album, Armand is the guitar player now. And, you know, I'd like to see him do well. Sure. Um, sure. I love the music and, but you never know what the music business now. Right. Um, you know, if, if <laughs> he even said it himself to me, I don't know whether it was actually on the interview or not that, you know, if he could go back now, you know, he wouldn't, probably wouldn't even start doing this. He said it's so fucking hard. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, two, two very different interviews too. I mean, you got pretty much a, a straight up, um, you know, what's up with the band, what's up with the album, what's up with the show with Jordan. Yeah. And then really, because we've already talked to Jarvis about about Night Demon, about Curse of the Damned. I mean, we've all of that. So, I mean, you did a really cool job of, of really talking about the business and about being a band and all that. So a very, a very different interview with that one. So two very different, very cool interviews. And um, yeah, I mean, nice job. Well, I did. Yeah, thanks. I deliberately went that way with Jarvis. Yeah. Um, because we did have him on about the album. We thought, well, what am I going to do again? Just sit yeah. down and rehash the same interview right. all yeah. over again. I wanted to know what it was like to be a band like that yeah. on the road now. And he was telling, he goes into all the travel plans and, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not all five-star hotels and all that shit, you no. know, not anymore. No. You know, you're lugging your own gear now and, yeah. and uh, it's a fucking commitment. Yeah. And um, they still seem to love what they're doing. They put on a fucking great show and uh, yeah, just really good to, it was a, di yeah, it was a different interview. Yeah. But, um, you know, hopefully now next month we have another one. I'm not going to say who it is yet because it's not confirmed. And then, of course, we were, you know, hopefully we're going to be meeting someone we had on the show in January later on next month, too. So, you know, maybe get some more in-persons in if we can. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a little bit different. I, I much rather, I think the in-person ones are, they're a little bit more challenging, but you can actually ask a little bit more because you're you're actually looking at the guy. Yeah, yeah. And, um you know, you can see the facial expressions sure. where, yeah. whereas on the phone, it's kind of a little bit different, you know? It is. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, but yeah, again, nice job. Definitely very cool interviews. And, and I like the fact that they were so different, but. Uh, and they recorded. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a tech fool. So, yeah. Well, that was, yeah. That was the one thing was like, oh man, these levels are low. <laughs> oh, shit. How are we going to do this? How am I going to do it with, without getting the background noise up? Because when you were talking to Jordan, you had like the music it was like is he is he talking to him in a piano bar no, like I what couldn't, the hell's going on like is a dog barking and it was, all it, was in, it was in like um there was like a room off the, the yeah. reception area yeah. and they had like the 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 muzak yeah on in the background and, and it was so it was like oh geez how am i gonna do this and uh but but nonetheless a good interview um and yeah you, i mean you you managed to not blow up the recorder so <laughs> yeah I got, I got it back to you 
You press this button to turn it on. You press this button to turn it off. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, I mean, I mean, great job. And, and so and kind of an unusual episode this week as well, because uh, besides me yakking here, it's it's all Richie interviews this week, because all you've heard over the last couple of weeks is me talking to bands. And uh, been you guys have probably been wondering, where the hell's Richie? So this week, you, you get all Richie. Well, so. some of that, I think, is, you know my rule. If I don't know who the bands are, yeah. I'm not jumping on board. Um. You, we listen to a lot of the same music, but we listen to different music too. Yeah. And if you get hit up with a band I know nothing about, I'm I'm just generally not going to come down and yeah. stare at the wall <laughs> and say, how's the tour going? You know? <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I don't think we're, we're not even going to do track of the week this week. We're just going to just dive right into, uh, I don't know, which one you want me to play first, Jordan or, or uh, Jarvis? Your choice. Up to you. Actually, you know what's funny is uh, the Dream Theater one is the shorter. It is. It is. I know. Well, he had to save himself up for the, that night. But, uh, no, it's your choice, man. It's it's uh, this this show is your show. So uh, now nah, do Jordan first. All right. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna roll Richard talk with uh, Jordan Rudess of Dream Theater. stage now many years is it easy to spot the people who play as compared to me and who doesn't play uh, you mean by looking out in the audience yeah it's a little hard to see the audience sometimes with the lights okay <laughs> so I would say that it's not something that I'm that, that conscious of when I do see them I'm not saying oh he's a player or he's not you okay know, it's just kind of like well, what about the meet and greets is it do you tend to yeah yeah musicians oh sure meet and right absolutely I'll yeah see, you know yeah. A lot of times musicians have a look or somewhat obvious yeah. attitude that they're a player. Yeah. You know. So 
was the, the show in Boston, obviously, and the band has a history from here. Is that one of the ones that you circle down as being a special show? Well, yeah, because the uh, you know the boys, a lot of them went to Berkeley, yeah. so they're kind of uh, you know notorious in Boston, you mm-hmm. know. So, uh, and also our drummer is from Boston, Mike, Mike yeah. Magini. So, uh, you know, when we come here, we definitely feel like it's a bit of almost like a hometown show, mm-hmm. you know. And, so, of yeah. course, the last show you did here was a special one where you performed with uh, some of the guys from Berkeley. Right, right. That was an amazing show. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just actually had lunch with the fellow who uh, conducted that, Aaron Boshwu. Yeah. He's connected. Yeah, because he's still here. Um, but yeah, and this is, you know, we're going back to our old stomping ground now, right? The Orpheum, the Orpheum. which is a fun theater to play, nice old theater, vibey. Yeah. Everybody always has a good time there. Mm-hmm. Now, your first album with the band was the, the Scenes from Memory album in 99, and this is the first full-blown concept album you've done since then. Right. It was, how come it's taken so long for you to do another one? Uh, well, it was something that we wanted to do. Of course, this kind of thing is a very unique, special you know, idea to do a concept album. Um, so, but we knew that, it, you know, that we, we had it in our sights to do another one, but of course you have to find the right time to do these things. And it certainly wasn't the right time around the whole departure of Portnoy uh, and the entrance of Mangini. We had to, you know, a lot of things to reestablish and get going again. And so we, and, and the factor was that if we were to do it, we wanted to have a story that was something that was really substantial and that felt right to us, that we could sink our teeth into. And um, so finally the time came, and, and uh, John had been working on the story for a while and said to us that he, you know, he thought he had something really good. So it was around the time of the end of the last world tour that he uh, presented me with the synopsis of it to take a read and uh, you know, see if maybe that would, would, would work. Yeah. So I, I read what he had, and this is great. Let's do it. Now, of course... You probably knew the minute the concept came up that you probably have more of an input into this one because when I listen to the record, a lot of the glue for all the parts comes from you yeah. playing because of all the moods in it. The moods, yeah. Well, um, you know, early on in the process, before we really got into it, we kind of felt to do an album like this, it would have to be a different kind of composition process, one that was really super kind of focused on the storyline and the one that went through a lot of different moods. So we kind of put on our composer hat and attitude and realized that the best way to do this would be for John Petrucci and I to sit in a room and, and write this, write this music. Because, um, you know, we tend to get very detailed about everything and uh, as detailed as his, as his story was in each scene, we wanted to reflect that and support that with the music. So the whole idea of the music was to, to help to bring the story to life. So everything is very much like a film score. It's, mm. you know, it's like from, from song to song, we're really trying to you know, uh, depict what's happening through the sounds and through the music. Yeah, and was the, con- was the concept originally to have a double album? Well, it wasn't right out of the gate. But as soon as we started writing it, and we saw, like, kind of got a feel for what was going on musically in telling the story and how we were going to do it, it started to lean towards that. And especially when we realized that when we, we were kind of feeling like what we were writing was very unique and we could put on a cool show around it. So then we thought, okay, well, 
It would be interesting if we developed an entire show, an evening. But if it's going to be an evening, we have full performance of a show. It has to have some length to it, some mm -hmm. depth. So that's when we started to realize what we were really getting into. Yeah, so tell me about the rehearsals for the show. How long did you rehearse more for this show than you would for previous tours? Well, you know, we, yeah, I mean, it, but even before the rehearsals, putting the album together with all these elements mm. was a major production task, you know, because it has orchestra and choir and has all these different instruments. When it came to the rehearsals, there was a lot of things to assemble. Plus, how do you present this? I mean, you know, first of all, what is it really? Is it a musical? Is it a rock opera? I mean, it's... It, 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 you know, it is what it is. It's a it's dream theater playing songs around a concept. So I guess the thing you could call it is a rock opera. So we had to think a lot about how we were going to put this together, the time that it would take to make it happen. And one of the things that was beyond the music, one of the things that was involved was figuring out the whole staging of it, the stage mm. set and all the visual elements, because we wanted it to be supported by... Um, you know, a, a lot of visual elements, and we wanted it to kind of feel more immersive than anything we've ever done before. So, we ended up working with a company called Lucian out of Montreal, Canada, that kind of like took on the project of preparing all the visuals that were on the screens. And that was a long process. So, you know, by the time all the pieces came together, well, then we had, you know, all the music was ready, the visuals were ready, we could go into a place to rehearse. We, we rented a big, uh, well, first we were out um, in Long Island in a rehearsal place, just rehearsing the music. That was the first thing. Mm. We had like a, a week, just the, just the band, no production or anything. And then, uh, and then we moved it to uh, the UK where we rented a big room and put all our stuff, all the screens and started to work on that. And we had another week of doing that so um, yeah that's that's basically what it was rehearsal wise okay and the input for the visuals did the guys leave it to you and, and John or did they all put their two cents in well the uh, the company that, that were the creators of this were expert animators and they had the storyline they had the music and had a lot of ideas there and they also had the imagery from the from the artist who did the graphics for the album so there was a big kind of start with all the, these elements were you know already existed so mm -hmm. it was okay well let's bring the nomax to life and you know there's raven's kill in here there's all the elements of uh, you know we, we we had a lot to work with even in this you know in the story yeah and in the booklet so that was the first thing and then uh and then you know john and i were were involved in kind of going back and forth and watching stuff and commenting uh on everything as it came together yeah, uh, as now, well. Yeah, now one yeah. of the things that in the CD that I've always loved about you guys is you've always used Hugh Simon for the artwork. Yeah. And you didn't use him on this one. Is that right, a particular right. reason why? Uh, well, we wanted to have something very particular for this. John, you know, he wrote the story. He had something definitely in his mind. He had been searching the internet to try to find, you know, possible artists. And actually, one day, his wife, Raina, came up and said, Oh, I found something. How about this guy? And he looked and he went, Oh my God, that's amazing. Where'd you find that? So, this is a Chinese artist. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's the one who ended up doing it. Okay. Ma. Okay. Yeah. So, playing this live. Um, how challenging is it compared to playing a normal dream theater set to remember stuff? Yeah, um, it's it's deep. It's first of all, it's a, you know, once you start, it's like there's no going back. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of responsibility. It's a long show. 
Um, it's very synchronized, you know, between not only the music and all the members, but also the, all the visuals. Everything is completely in sync. The lights, everything, you know, it's like, it's quite deep uh, as far as all. It's, it's Dream Theater's biggest, I think, best production that we've ever done. Mm. I mean, this is something that I hope has a long life because of all the work we put in and also the quality of what I think we're doing. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. So is there any room in the set for any improvisation at all, or is it well, pretty regimented? Uh, it, it, well, within, like, there's a little bit of room for improvisation, but I would say mostly that kind of improvisation is in, let's say, the way I'm comping a part. So if I'm playing like a piano part to a song, I'm not, like, locked in. I don't necessarily even think like that. I'll try some different things, mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe I'll play an arpeggio here or there and get inspired in a night. It's not like there's a band improvisation, you know, we're playing the songs and they are the certain length and everything is structured time-wise the way they are, yeah. but uh, whether I play exactly the same kind of lead every night, you know, I might change it a little bit, you know, yeah. just so, depending so, on the mood. Yeah, so tell me how nervous you were the first, the first show. Were you more nervous than normal? Well, this, this particular tour starting it up was a different experience because we didn't have the option to um, kind of ease into it and have the first few shows be sloppy. Mm. Uh, we needed to come on strong because we were we knew that all eyes would kind of be upon us. We were playing in the UK, which is a very important market, mm -hmm. and opening up this huge new show. People wanted to know what is it, and it was going to be reviewed. So we did a lot more preparation on every level to get ready for the first show, and so it made it a little bit more, um, a little bit less nerve-wracking to walk in because we were pretty prepared mm. from day one. That said, first show. Any every tour leg or especially the beginning of the whole thing, you haven't done this for a long time. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you have definite like there's nerves involved. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's kind of, I don't know how to say this, but like it's a leap of faith for you guys to play two hours of just completely new material that the fans kind of have to have a leap of faith with you guys. Yeah, to yeah, it? it's ballsy. You know, it's it's a big, uh, you know, it's it's a huge album. It's different. It's, uh, you know, it's got a lot more dynamic curves than anything we've done before. It's yeah. not as, like, metal-in-your-face kind of music. Not that Dream Theater hasn't always had softer parts, but in general, it really just has this kind of flow to it. Uh, it's ballads, you know, more than usual, and, and as I said, it's like almost like a film score. So, yeah, us doing this is definitely, like, you know, taking a risk. Um, although this album has done really, really well, and we, you know, we, we kind of feel like you know, we've been together for a long time. This is a very um, intense kind of creative project that's very close to our hearts and our minds, and it's almost like we deserve the right to, uh, you know, present this as it is. I mean, for so many years, like to do something a little bit different, it's yeah. kind of a cool thing to do, and we put the extra effort into making it a show that people would, you know, actually really respond to. <clears throat> so yeah, it's an unusual effort on our part. It was taking a risk, but here we are, you know. Yeah. Now, one, of, one of the things you guys have always been known for is changing up the set list. Yeah. Um, you can't do it on this tour. No, no. So how do you keep it from not. getting stale? It definitely doesn't get stale. It's so much music. Yeah. You know, it's not like all we can do is pray to remember it all <laughs> and you know put our best musical foot forward. Yeah. 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 So. Of course, one of the things you were known for years ago was anytime you played a second night 
in the same city. Yeah. You used to do a, an album in its entirety. Have you ever thought about doing that again? Um, I thought about it, yes. And gonna do it maybe sometime in the future. That, was, that kind of stuff was more of a Portnoy kind of thing that he would really put forward. It was, you know, in the, he's got such an interesting ability where he can just play like, you know, you say, I'll play, uh, you know, the first Metallica album and he'll, okay, you know, he just remembers these things. And plus yeah. he's a drummer, so it's kind of easy for him, it's easier for his, because of his talent, you know, to do that. And also because of the instrument he plays and he was in a role where he would call a lot of the shots in those days. Yeah. So a lot of it stemmed from him, those things stemmed from him and it was fun to do that. And I am proud of the fact that we did Dark Side of the Moon and Made in Japan, it was all good. But, you know, where do you put your focus? Yeah, I, I loved the version of Master of Puppets. Oh yeah, and the number uh -huh. of the beast. Uh huh. Um, like those those original albums don't have any keyboards at all. Uh huh. So how did you approach playing on well, those? Well, I mean, I was playing a lot of almost like second guitar parts, but sometimes when it was, you know, there was room to maybe play a piano part or an organ, yeah. so I would do that as well. It was yeah. A little awkward. Yeah. You know, it was a good education in those days for me because I really wasn't as familiar with those bands and those bands were a huge influence in Dream Theater and the music that they had made up to that point and mm -hmm. always make. So for me it was a chance to really understand some of the background that went into, you know, who the guys were. Yeah. You know, because I grew up, I didn't listen to Iron Maiden. It wasn't like one of my things and I really didn't listen to Metallica either. So not that I didn't like it, but I just wasn't part of what I, you know, in my you know, depth of experience. But anyway, as far as doing that kind of thing and playing a full album, like, I mean, maybe, but it's not our main, like, thought at this point. We're, we'd rather come up with something original that's weighty and deep and yeah. the kind of show that we're about to do tonight, which we would have never done in those days because this wasn't part of who we were. Yeah. Now, how would you approach a festival? show now if well you do the whole yeah thing. that's an interesting question um well i think in a festival you have to play you have to you can't just do like we can't couldn't do the astonishing yeah we'd have to do something else so, yeah right so yeah. We, when we book some festival shows we'll figure out the set list at that yeah. point um yeah. i want to ask you about um keith emerson Okay. He's been a huge influence on you. Yes. You were yeah. Did you ever right. get to meet him or play with him? Uh, I never got to play music with him, although I met him many times, and over the years we became friendly. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, he was like the, my biggest keyboard influence of all of them. Uh, he was like a real hero to me. Matter of fact, I just agreed to do the the uh, kind of official Keith Emerson tribute on May 28th okay. in LA at the El Rey Theater. I'm going to play with the Keith Emerson band. Nice. Uh, and we're going to do Tarkus. Nice. So it's like, to me, it's like, it's a lot of responsibility, but it's the most I can give musically to kind of to his legacy. Yeah. Because I love that piece and I've played it before and uh, looking forward to playing it and kind of, it'll, I'm sure it'll be very emotional to do that with the guys. Um, but that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah. And of course, there's been like a lot of musicians have died in the last five or six months. And I'm sure Bowie probably had a big influence. Well, on yeah, too. for sure. I mean, uh, especially because you know I did a record with Bowie on the Heathen record. Mm. I played with him, so I got to meet him and work with him a bit. So that was kind of very, you know, upsetting and weird that he just kind of was all of a sudden gone. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a tough year in the music space. Yeah, I think what amazed me about Bowie. He brought out an album a while ago and nobody even knew he recorded it. In this day and age, I don't know how he did it. Wow. And the album was great as well. So, yeah. so you know, just, just to finish up, 
Um, where, where, where do you think the band is going to go after this? Like you've done this two-hour album. Now. Yes, right, right. Uh, what, where do you think you're going to go next? Have you even thought about well, it? Well, yeah, we've thought, thought about it a little bit. Nothing to like formally announce, but you know what I mean? It, it'll be... We have some, you know, there's such a, uh, a breadth of possibilities within the mm. group and who we are that I'm sure it won't be a concept album, <laughs> you know. I can't say what it will be because we haven't really decided. But, um, yeah, there's nothing to really report about this because we're not there yet. Yeah, uh, do, you, do you have a set direction or is the first song really direct where you're going to go? Uh, we will definitely have a set direction before we start. We always have in the past. Every album starts with a, if it's not a concept album, it starts with a, kind of a concept about what we're gonna do okay you know um, and that's what we'll do again we, we're very good at imagining and then creating okay so whatever it is we decide to do we will kind of write it down figure out what we want to create what we want the effect to be how we're gonna do it and then book some studio time and get it done so in simple terms if I was to say like you train a thought. You knew it was going to be a heavy guitar. Yeah, yeah, album. yeah. That's that's what you're talking about. That's here. exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Octavarium okay. was going to be like a proggy album. That was you know, each proggy. each one as a, we kind of discussed and we went for it. Yeah. Now taking this one aside because you're probably going to pick this. Do you have a favorite album other than this one? Um. Well, I really like uh, parts of Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence a lot. Yeah. Like the whole second. CD, I think it was, mm -hmm. kind, of, kind of attached to that, and that kind of, you know, mood and the compositions in there, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's one. And what, what was the toughest album to make? The toughest one to make, they're all intense, this one was the toughest one to make, this one took the most time yeah. in the studio, Yeah. So but it was also enjoyable, it was tough because it was time consuming and detailed, but it was also now as a listener that doesn't play it's a challenging record to listen to mm. because these days it's very hard to get someone to sit down and listen to two hours of music right. doing something else right right and yeah. um, I like it but it's a challenge it is a cha it is your most varied record mm -hmm. even right, though it's your right. most song structured as well I think yeah if you know short songs uh -huh. um, yeah right, I, I, right like I like some of the album some of it is like wow What's this is <laughs> very left field for you guys uh-huh you know but yeah I like it. I'm looking forward to seeing the show now. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll enjoy it. It's a pretty cool production. Yeah, so... Different. Jordan, thanks for your time. Thank you. And uh, enjoy right. the interview. Very good. Best of luck. All right. Take care, man. Thank you. All right, there you go. Great talk with uh, with Jordan. And then, uh, of course, he went on to uh, Jarvis. That was what, Alston, right? Yeah, Alston. Bit of a pain in the ass to get to. So that, um, was it that bar on the corner? Like yes. it's on the corner? A shithole. No friggin' parking? Mm, I actually got a parking space no down way. the street. Yeah, I was lucky. Holy shit. No, they really? Knew, they knew I was coming. Oh my God. There's like nothing there. It's like, yeah. It's student, isn't it? Student area. Big times in Cambridge. I think a lot of students around the area. Well, you can get there, um, you know, from the, with the tea. So it's, it's so, yeah, like my daughter will go there to a show because she can just grab the tea and be there. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, it's just like, what the hell? It's the same with the uh, with the music hall too. It's like really, uh, but yeah, that that um, that bar. That's where um, like a sound of thunders played there, and a couple other bands when they go through, they play there. But it's like really, it's like one of the like worst possible places to. It's to not play the it, Yeah, it's the venue's not bad. They um, still do all the beer in the plastic cups. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I fucking hate that shit. 
but um, especially a bar. Yeah. Um, I think what was funny was like some of the people that were there, and I've said this to you before. It's like uh, all the old school jackets. Yeah. That I haven't seen since the eighties. Yeah. Like the guy with the like destruction accept creator yeah. Cinderella patch yeah. on his yeah. jacket. Where, where'd that one come from? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like what the fuck, you know? And um, that was at the time when he had a girlfriend. <laughs> I'll put this one on she'll like me more oh Tom Kiefer I love you but um, I was just funny seeing some of the get up on some of the people yeah because um, it was a three band build it was uh, a band called Visigoth who yeah. were on Metal they're Blade band. they're a good band I saw one of their songs because I was out interviewing Jarvis at the time yeah and then there was another band called Against the Grain which really didn't do much for me um, kind of trashy motorheady kind of stuff yeah um, and then of course Night Demon played mm. The whole record, yeah. Um, from the, starting at the, with the last song all the way back. So they were on. St- they came on stage at it was a Thursday night, ten to fucking twelve. Yeah, and I was like, fucking hell! I had to go. In, I was in work the next day, and I was wrecked because I said yeah. it to Jarvis. I said, "What time are you on stage?" And he was like, "Oh, about eleven forty-five." And I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> you know, I'm thinking pe- people do have to work. You know, yeah. Well, but but some of the guys that were there now, I don't think they were in work the next day because. Yeah. Um, Jarvis put a picture up on Facebook of um, one of the guys that was at the show, and he was in a he point, pointing down at him. He was in a fuck coma, on the <laughs> and I could see him drinking in there, and he was fucking wasted. Yeah, I'm thinking, how do, how can you enjoy a gig in that state? Right. Well, a lot of people do it, right? Well, they, they don't enjoy it though. They just it's like what, they don't even remember it. What gig? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a story. Actually, a quick story. Um, there's a guy in Waterford years ago. They went to Donning, 88 Donington. Yeah. Right. So that was the bill. It was, um, it was Maiden, Kiss, David Lee Roth, Megadeth, Guns N' Roses and Halloween. Yeah. And he fell asleep after Halloween and, <laughs> and woke up for Iron Maiden's encore after traveling all the way over from Ireland to Donington. He was that <laughs> drunk. And I'm thinking, yeah, I bet you he fucking enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably wake, you know, watching Maiden with a massive hangover too, right? Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and then it was like, why didn't you wake me up? <laughs> We've probably been kicking him for six hours trying to get him to wake up. Anyway. Oh, man. All right. Well, again, great interview with, with, with Jarvis. I uh, really enjoy listening to it. Uh, I mean, a lot of what he says is true about being in a band. and uh, But uh, some good, wise words. And uh, I kind of had a little bit of a follow-up with that, um, talking recently to uh, to Fang from Lords of the Trident as well. That'll that's coming your way soon as well. But we talked a little bit about about the same kind of thing, and uh, he you know he actually brought it up because we were talking about about Patreon and all that. But uh, enough of that. Let's uh, let's dive into our talk that uh, Richie did with uh, Jarvis Leatherby of the uh, Mighty Night Demon. All right, so I have Jarvis Leatherby from Night Demon. Hello. And when we talked to you last year, uh, you said if you ever up in the Boston area to come in and share a beer. So here I am. There we are. We'll yeah. go have a pint after this interview. Sure. Yeah. Love to. Um, I was looking at your uh, tour itinerary. Okay. And you guys are always on the fucking road. <laughs> We've had a little bit of a break, I think. We've had. When? In 2014 or something? No, <laughs> I think like we had. I mean, really, this year we've just kind of been doing some one-offs up until April. So we've had up until April off, you know. Just okay. Been... How do you adjust when you get home off the road? Is it? A... It's so awesome to come home, you know. I mean, like we live in a really cool town. You know, we live in Ventura, California, which is like an hour north of LA, but it's a small town and it's right on the beach. 
and the mountains are 20 minutes away so it's it's a good the climate is like 75 degrees year round you know it's uh it's a great place you know it's a great place but uh it's you, we get we get um we get tired of being home pretty quick too you know mm. i mean just you know small town drama you know can yeah. catch up to you for sure um but uh it's you know i don't know it, i think he, i think at this point we kind of just live life day to day you know because when we first started get touring really hard i mean we were looking at things you know you have like these crazy nights where you're like in europe and you're like man that was just a you know i'm jet lagged and there's a crazy there was a crazy show and you know or it was a bad show or something you know and you're looking at like you go to the merch table to sign some autographs or whatever and you're looking at the back of this tour shirt and like that's how that's like it seems to be the end of the night i always end up there and i look at the tour shirt and i'm like looking at the dates and i'm like oh my god we're like we're in the middle of column one of three you know and then mm. there's days off sometimes you know so it's like like you really have to just you have to live day by day you have to just go okay today's the day you know it's like hey you're here now we're in boston you know like let's do this let's focus on right now you know because you think about it like when you're a concert goer and you're in your hometown you get excited about a show that you know it's coming up in a couple months or something you know yeah and then you go and you're there and you're pumped and you're just you're there you're in the moment as a concert goer and when the band's not in that mode it sucks you know because you could tell you can always tell when a band is like having an off night or or like they they kind of feel like they don't want to be there and it's like you just can't do that like you have to you have to be there at least when you're on stage you know the other 23 hours of the day can get pretty mundane you know it's a lot of travel weather changes you know we all got sick on this tour already and stuff so it's just part of the game you know yeah. but but uh, you know the the thing is is like when you when you're in the stages of a band where you're you're touring but you're also you have all this responsibility back home and you have a day job and you know some people have families and stuff like that uh, it's when you when you really go back to reality and that stuff you're like oh man I would kill to trade this in for being sick on the road in the snow you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah so you have to you, it's easy to take things for granted at any point in your life so I think it's like this touring so much has really taught us to really live in the moment and just go day just go day by day and just focus on what's happening right now yeah, how do you handle the mundane shit because it's the three of you guys and there must be times you want to fucking kill each other. You know, I've we're in our thirties. You know, we're not. You know, I started touring when I was seventeen, and, and uh, you know, typical life. You know, you look back, you think you knew everything then, and you know, if, if I could do things differently in my life, I definitely would have for sure. You know, but but you know, I had to learn from a lot of things. You know, and I think the main thing when you're on the road with somebody is respect. You know, you're with people more than people are with their wives you know or, or your kids you know mm. really i mean it's it's really like it is like 24 hours a day yeah um and yeah you just have to have the right guys with you you know i mean sure i mean i argue with some of my guys like every single day but it's never it's never a bad thing like it's we're we're we make up like and and instantly we don't you know like this <laughs> You know, they say like the key to a good marriage. You know, it's like you never go to bed mad. You know, that's what they say. You even know yeah. when when you're going there to 
maybe pull it back a little bit right. or do you just fuck, fuck it I'm just going there anyway no yeah it's it's hard yeah I go there yeah but but <laughs> but but it's just different like you gotta just you gotta be around the right people you know it's all about the right people and you have to have respect because people get sick or they get road burned at different times it's not like it happens to everybody at the same time you know so when one guy's going through it, somebody else might not be, you know, some guy might be just, one of the guys might be just drunk and be like, oh, I'm having a great time, you know, or I met mm. a chick or something, you know, like the other guy might be sick or like his girlfriend at home is giving him grief or something or uh, uh, who knows, man, who knows? He's been driving all night, you know, didn't get any sleep or, yeah. or whatever, you know, physical, you know, we have a lot of physical pains, you know, back problems, neck problems and stuff like that. We all have chronic pains like that. Um, so you just don't know. But so you have to have respect for people like as if, you know, like just the golden rule, treat somebody else how you would want to be treated, you know. But I mean, I think you do so many things together that you it's just become you just get used to it. When you become a family, like it's just kind of like an unconditional thing, you know, it's like you never let anything become too much, you mm. know. And and like really, I I don't I don't really think we've ever had any any huge issues you know there's not been any fist fights or anything i mean you hear about you hear about a lot of that stuff with bands you know histories of bands you know crazy stuff happening but mm -hmm. there's usually a lot of drugs and debauchery involved in that or people are just young you know and, and they don't know how to handle themselves and, and then sometimes you just have the wrong the wrong mix of people you know yeah but i think we have a pretty good dynamic and 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 it's just that's how it is. We we have the end goal in mind. You know, we know what the focus is. We know where we're going. We know where we want to be. I mean, we talk about stuff that we're going to be doing in five years from now. You know, mm. so so that's always on the back and on the forefront of our mind. You know, of of what what our goal is and where, where what we want to do. You know? Yeah. Now you guys tour. You've obviously toured a lot in the oh, U.S. Yeah. Um, what's the grassroots metal scene like over here? Is it is there certain pockets that are great, or is it just you not know, that good? Like, 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 initially, you you see that there are certain pockets that are good. Um, however, now it's 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 leveled out for us. Like, as far it's even for us because we we discovered early that where there is no scene, you must create the scene. Yeah, you know, and we that's what we did. I mean, I mean, we. We spent so much time calculating everything that we were going to do, you know, to the point of, you know, if we were going to Tulsa, Oklahoma or something, you know, I mean, I would find every record store in that town. I would call them a couple months before, like as a fan, just be like, hey, you have the new Night Demon? Oh, who? You know? Oh, it's this great metal band. You know, check it out. And, you know, oh, yeah, okay. You know, hey, can you order the record for me? Oh, yeah, well, maybe we'll get it in. You know, this kind of thing. You mm. plant that seed. You know, I would go on Craigslist, Tulsa, Oklahoma, metal musicians, metal bands. Hey, we're playing this show. We're in a metal band. Maybe you can get on it. Maybe you can help us promote it. Or maybe come check us out. Here's who we are. We get to the town. We go to the record stores as a band. If they don't have our record in the racks, we sell it to them, you know? Just be like, hey, we're playing here tonight. We bring our own posters. If the promoter didn't do his job, you know, here's our record. If you don't have it, you know, you can buy it through your distributor or you can buy it from us right now at the same cost. You know, we, were, we weren't making money on the records. We were doing the label and the distributor's job for them you know you kind of have to to go the extra mile this these days if you want to do that so we were thinking of everything we possibly could you know to to become a success you know we'd go hang out at bars and talk to people if we had an off day in a town we would we would 
we would go to the copy shop and make flyers and stuff for the show the next night. You That's know? old school. Well, you got to do it, man. I mean, like, like a, the problem today is that the you know the industry has changed a lot, and a lot of people are scared and they're running the other way, or they're you know a lot of and a lot of bands are just straight complainers. I'll just say it. They're just complainers. They're whiners, you know. And for me, it's like. You know, you always have a choice in your life of what you want to do. Instead of complaining about it, then just do something else. You know, I wouldn't advise being doing what I do for anybody. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. You know, if you want a successful life and the you want the white picket fence, but I do it because I have to do it because it's who I am. You know, and since it is who I am and I have to do it, I have to, I have to decide to not be a complainer and come up with new and creative ways to get things done. You know, because the success of my art depends on me, not a not a record label or a, or or even the fans, really. You know, I mean, it's our job to give the fans what what they what they want. You know, yeah. so um, that's the way you have to look at it if you want to be successful in anything. I think you know you have to you have to take responsibility for everything. You know, if you, you can't play the blame game. You know, anything, even the bad stuff that happens, I take responsibility for, you know, and hopefully you can learn from those things, you know, but it's good because it's all about your attitude, you know, especially when you're out here on the road, you know, you blow a tire or whatever, you know, it's like, let's laugh it off. Let's figure it out. We're going to get through it. There's no use in fucking getting pissed off or anything like that. You know, it's like, let's, and you know, if something bad happens, you, you, you see, you learn why it happens and you correct it and you move forward. You know, a lot of people, they just don't think about stuff like that, you know, and they want, they want, they want people to do things for them. I mean, like we're signed to Century Media in the States and, you know, Sony owns them now. So we're basically signed to Sony Records, you know, and, you know, a lot, I mean, a lot of the bands will be like, you know, they, they do the whole, what have you done for me lately kind of thing with the record label, you know, and I don't want to have that relationship with them. I want to work with them, you know, so I find new and creative ways to get them to do things you know like we did a tour program for our last tour like nobody does that anymore but we had an old school tour program that looked so great and i was looking for ways to to finance producing something like this you know and so you know instead of going to the record labels and saying hey we need some money to do this thing we have a cool idea you know i thought i would sell them ads and I did. I sold them ads in our tour program. Mm. You know, I'm like, that's how I'm going to do it. You're going to, you pay for advertising in magazines, right? Cool. Well, here's what we're touring the world. We're one of your bands. Buy an ad in our tour program. And they did. And the cool thing is, is that the ads ended up being advertisements for our record. <laughs> Oh,
Yeah, so, so how involved are Century Media in your road plans? Like, not, not, not one iota, not one bit. So they don't put up any money Nothing. for your tours? Nothing. So it's just a record they promote in the beginning and after that then you're on your own? Yeah, and in theory, you know, you know the re- well, the reality of it is that we buy records from them and go on the road and sell them. Okay. So we're doing, we're the ones selling the records. You know, I mean, they they have a distributor that puts them in stores, and they might do some co-ops or some advertising and stuff like that. And you know, they have a publicity department as well. You know, they have an online store. You know, so I'm not saying that that they don't that they don't sell our record, but we sell more of their records of our records than they do. Yeah, I mean, so we we buy them from them. Hmm. We and we travel the world, and perform in front of people. And they say, I want your record, and we sell them the record that we buy from the record company. Okay. So so, so the question I have then is, um, why didn't you make your own label? And we have. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We, <laughs> we have, when we got the rights back to our first EP, yeah. we started our own label. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's been awesome, you know. But, you know, I mean, here's the thing. If you're going to play the game, you got to play the game, you know. Like, you have to... I think that you know us signing with them, and we you know we were with SPV Steamhammer in Europe, which is great, wonderful label, you know, and that's Saxon's and the, label, yeah, yeah. And they have a great presence, you know, and they're legendary for over thirty years, and they're very good to us. I mean, it uh, it helped us get out of the out of the gates at some point. I'm not going to say we couldn't have done it without them because that's definitely not true because we were a DIY first, you know. We were on tour with Raven before anybody had even looked at us, you know. So, um, and we were playing festivals in Europe before anybody had touched us, you know. So, so I am not against DIY and I'm not against small small labels. I think that's honestly probably the good way to go. I mean, we were our deal with Century Media took about six months. I mean, we were pretty smart about it. I mean, there was so much back and forth, you know. I mean, we didn't we kept our publishing which a lot of bands don't do. Mm. You know, a lot of labels, they demand that now because they're not selling a lot of records, so they want that money. But no, we kept our publishing. We hung on to it. We have our own publishing company. We have our own record label. We put out a mixtape compilation every year with other bands and stuff, too. So we're we're all about championing the scene. You know, we have a big festival that we put on in California. It's probably the biggest traditional metal fest in the country, you know. And we we... Like I said, if, when, where there is no scene, you create it, you know? Yeah. And we, you know, we bring back the excitement in, in heavy metal, I think, and in the show that we put on. You know, we bring, we bring production to small bars, you know? It's like you're seeing it, you know? It's like this is, it's, people, we're bringing a performance, you know? And, uh, and people appreciate that, you know? And so I think, like, we've, we've played in front of a, a bunch of non-metal audiences and have made metal fans, you yeah. know? I mean, that's just how it is. And and I like that. I like that. You know, I th- I think, um, and you know, like, you know, we we're taking other bands out with us, you know, on the road, and like we're we're really just trying to get the bands that are hungry to do it, and the bands that are good enough to go out and do it, and um, trying to. I, I'm not going to take credit for this, but I, I noticed like in the last couple of years, a lot of bands in our in smaller, newer bands in our subgenre have hit the road a whole lot more, man, since we've been doing it, and I'm. I think maybe they're looking at us and going, hey, if these guys can do it, you know, we can do it. And they're absolutely right, you know. Um, I'm all about, you know, we have some friendly competition on stage. We definitely go out to win every night. And on this tour, we are the definite matter-of-fact headliner, for sure, absolutely. Um, but I'm all about championing 
anybody who wants to come out and do this, you know. Um, when the when the tide rises, you know, all boats float higher. You mm. know, you can't just be one guy up on the hill. You know, I mean, it's just not it's not good. You know, you so we want more of this. You know, we, we definitely want more of this, and we're trying to push for that. You know, I think the way the scene is at the minute, and the way the music industry is, the way it is, I think if bands are willing to go out. Like it, it's a great thing. Yeah. Like, I know they might go out and they might have a blinkered oh, vision of oh, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And you can probably right. get, give them a bit of a reality check and say it's fucking hard work. It man. is. It is. But it, it's not glamorous, but it's very rewarding. And if you have the goods, man, if you, you like, if you know, if you're in the right band and you know things are are firing on all cylinders, it can work. Um, you know, we did our first tour. We had like I think we had like a hundred dollars. In our pocket, we had enough to for gas to get to the first gig, and that was our first tour. Okay, we didn't know what was going to happen. We were out for 46 days. We had gas to get to the first gig, and since that first gig of that first tour, look, we've never lost money on a tour ever, ever. And we're taking door deals. We've taken no guarantees, just whatever. See what happens. We've done basements, you know, whatever. You just have to take that leap of faith, you know. If you feel like this is your destiny, you have to just find a way to make it happen, you know. And it's been good, you know. It's been good, and and like uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything. There's no way. I slaved at a job for years, and I you know touring for me at that time was just vacation time kind of stuff. You yeah. Know? And um, you know I thought I needed to have a career. I was getting older and stuff, and. And, you know, I got really depressed there. I felt like I had no other skills, you know, and, and I was kind of stuck in this thing. And I got to the point of near suicide because I was so depressed and that I wasn't following my dream and I was living someone else's dream, you know, and I was, I was really, I was responsible for all these employees and shit. And uh, I said, okay, before I put this gun in my mouth, I at least have to give it a shot. Like, at least let me just walk away from this and be willing to get to to um, to look the other way and not give a shit about what society thinks or what my family thinks or what my girlfriend thinks. You know, if I'm in the street and I'm in the gutter and I'm a homeless guy and I have nothing at all, then I can take my own life if I feel so. You know, but I have to know. I have I have to give this a chance. If I don't try and really try okay i mean mm. if i don't re i mean just give everything i have to this then i i then it's a wasted life you know and and, and i don't i didn't want to go out like that i don't want the i didn't want to be taken down like that you know without without the true effort you know without the rocky moment yeah you know without you know and it was a lot of training and a lot of preparation and i had a plan of how i was going to do it and it took about a year to do it and i hung in there and things just man like it's weird when you like when you when you have that fire and you and you and you and you go out and you follow it and you network with people like it's crazy things like things just work out for you like 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 the, i'm not gonna say nothing's ever fallen into my lap you know i i can trace back everything that this band has ever done i know how it happened and usually it happened because of something i did you know we've we've been asked to do like three things in our career like three things you know, even tours. I mean, we've we've gotten ourselves on shit. So um, I don't know. I think that I think it's very important. I if, if you're a guy that loves sweeping the street, go sweep the street. Go get the best broom you can get. You know, like take pride in it. 
enjoy it and do that, you know, it doesn't have to be music, you know, we're not in this game for fame and fortune or to be a rock star, I think that's the problem with a lot of young people is they think, and a lot of older people actually, you know, because even my parents, you know, my mom would say sometimes, you know, my mom's been supporting my whole goddamn life, but she... She watches American Idol. You know, she doesn't get it. She's like, what's the one thing? She asked me one time, what's the one thing in your career that would happen, like, that where you would say that you've made it, you know? And I said, nothing. Nothing, you know? If you would ask me when I was 14, I would have said, okay, going on tour with, you know, you know, going on tour and playing festivals and stuff, and mm. I'm already doing that, you know? Or, like, getting signed to a major label, I'm already doing that. It's really an accumulation of things, you know? Every day you have to take this little baby step forward, you know? Yeah. And then, and years from then, you lift your head up and you're like, holy shit. Like, it's crazy. Like, what well, all this stuff I've done, you know? Anything that happens to people so fast, too, and like overnight and stuff, it usually crashes and burns because it can't, it's just such a big switch, it's hard to handle, you know? So I, I really think that, uh, sorry if I'm getting off on tangents here, but, but I, I think that, uh, you know, the main thing is like in anything you want to do in life, like if you're passionate about something, you have to follow that. A lot of people don't know what they want to do, you know. Yeah. But I knew what I wanted to do since I was eight years so, old. So, what's what's the biggest mistake you made in the beginning that you learned from? Oh man, there's so many. There's so many mistakes. Um, <laughs> it's hard to say on record too. But I will. Um, I think... The, okay, well, this will sum up a lot of things. I think the biggest mistake is... Is not having patience. Rushing into things. Rushing into the allure of... Certain record deals. Um, certain merchandising deals. Things like this. Um... Things where, like, you know, you're immediately like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, I can't believe somebody wants to put out my record. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, like, this is great. It makes you cry, you know? And then you realize, well, there's a reason why somebody wants to do this because everybody else does too, you know? And if you're patient and you wait it out and you kind of see what it is, you know, you can – and you can – you can you have the foresight to look forward. You, you can kind of see, see, you know, the, the – the path that you should take, you know, our deal, I'm not going to say that our, our current deals are bad, but there were some in the past that I, I, I wish I wouldn't have done, you know, um, it's, it's kind of funny that, that, so here's a band, we're a band that has one EP and one full length record, that's it, and we've been on, I think, seven records, seven labels, <laughs> with those, <laughs> wow, and those have been released like that, you know, and so, it's fucking, it's trippy, man, it's trippy, um, it's trippy, uh, but but really the biggest mistake I think ever is 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 not preparing for for things like not really being thorough and seeing things through because I think that like you know you you have ideas and 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 you you rely on other people to do to do things for you whether mm. it's like booking agents and stuff you know we've had some booking agents drop the ball on us big time when when I think um, okay so wait you know what with all this stuff I'll sum it up here. This is the biggest, my biggest regret, okay, with this band is not, 
is is not staying DIY a little longer. You know, I think we should have done it. I think we should have stayed. I think we should have kept doing things ourselves for like at least another year or two before we started getting booking agents and signing with big labels and stuff. I mean, I honestly believe that. You know, I don't think those those opportunities would have dried up at all. At the time, I was just like, all right, cool. This is coming to us for a reason. We're taking that next step. Let's go. You know. But now looking back, I, I kind of wish I would have just hung on and kept doing what we were doing because it was working so well and it was growing. And grow- it's still growing, you know. But it's still growing because of the stuff that we're doing. It's a, it's the stuff that we are doing ourselves. You know what I'm saying? It's the stuff that hey, what's up? Uh, it's the stuff that we're doing ourselves. It's not it's not growing at that at that clip because of of what the of what the handlers are are, are doing. You know mm. what I'm saying? So focus That's nothing, man. That's nothing. We we got. I mean, uh, you know, we're doing this tour with Carcass in in July. Now there's a bill for you. Yeah. Well, basically, so you know, this tour ends May twentieth, and then we're home for like ten days. May thirtieth, we start with Anvil. We do a week on the West Coast. Yeah. Then we have one day at home. Then we go to Europe for five weeks. From from Europe, 
<laughs> we play a banger head festival in, in middle of July. We fly straight to Lawrence, Kansas to start the carcass tour that day. So we have to have somebody drive all of our stuff from California and meet us there. And we fly them home. We start that tour. Then we end up going, you know, back home and then back to the East Coast and then back. We got a tour back home. But, I mean, there's one thing in there. We're like, we're in Albuquerque. And then there's one day off and we have to play in Memphis the day after that. So it's like... Dude, we've done some crazy stuff, especially in Europe, you know, like we did a, like uh, last year we did a, we did a show in Karlsruhe, Germany, then the next day we had a, we had a TV show that we did in Paris, France, and then the following day we played a festival in Sweden, (laughs) yeah, and it was just nuts, man, it was nuts, it was nuts, so, but that's what you gotta do, you know, it was all good stuff happening, you know, and it's exciting when you're doing that stuff, you know, it's really exciting. Now, now how, how, how tough is it, like, you're going over to Europe for what, five weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. The legalese to go over there now, work visas and everything. Is 90 it, days. It's 90 days, is yeah. it pretty easy to organize now, or, I know the Euro, the, the, the currency is... It's a lot easier now than it used to be. But. Oh yeah, the currency is totally easy. But yeah, it's it's to- yeah it's it's fine. It, a lot of people speak English in mainland Europe too, you know. So it's not except in France, which everybody in France hates. Tell, tell me about it. Everybody in France hates <laughs> Americans anyway. They hate us anyway, you know. They really do. Um, but you know, it's just. You know, we have a booking agent there now. I mean, we did a lot of... Oh, man, some of the first tours we did out there were just ridiculous, you know. We were out there for ten and a half weeks last time we were there. And, you know, it's just... You end up with four days off, and you're sleeping in some guy's attic, and it's snowing, and there's no heat, and, you know, like... You've never done Vakken or any of these festivals? No, not the big not the big ones like that. We've done, like, Keep It True. We're going to do Bang Your Head, which is pretty big. Yeah, it is. Year. That's a big one. Yeah, we're doing... Um, we're doing some festival in Poland with with Saxon. Oh, they love uh, metal there. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's like Saxon, Raven, Us, Behemoth, <laughs> um, Candlemass, you know, it's cool. Um, but uh, we got some offers to do some stuff. Like 2017, summer is going to look pretty good for us. Um, I think Vakken's going to come through. Um, there's talks of like doing Sweden Rock. Um mm-hmm. But it's cool right now because we're playing the bi- we're playing the biggest underground ones, which those are some of the people's favorites anyway. You know, you get two, three thousand people, you know, at, at Headbangers Open Air, Keep It True, you know, these things. Like these are the great, you know, up the hammers in Greece. I mean, we love going to places like that. You know, it's really good for us to do. Well, that, I think, you know, especially in Southern Europe, like like Spain, Portugal, Italy, Greece, mm-hmm. they're rabid metal oh, fans. Absolutely. They're nuts. Absolutely. Like, they're like, I. Like the Irish fans were pretty loyal, but I remember going over there in the '90s, and you go into a record record store, yeah. HMV or something. They had fucking Man of War cutouts right. in the window, and I'm like, fucking hell, fucking yeah, Man it's of insane. War. Yeah, they have their own like they have their own versions of like Metal Hammer out there in their own language. Yeah, you know? yeah. But you know, we did the same thing in those countries that we did in the states. You know, we've played over 35 shows in just in Spain alone. Like, we've gone to every small town in Spain, every backwoods place, and now we just go to Madrid and Barcelona, basically, and they all come, you know? So you have to you have to plant those seeds around, 
you know, if, if you're not being pushed, like, in the mainstream, you know, you have to do that first. Yeah. And then, and then it just comes. But like I said, you know, we're in the game for survival. So it's like, hey, if we have a place to play tonight, I don't care where it is. That's cool. We got a place to sleep. Great. They're going to feed us. Awesome. I get to play rock and roll. Even better, you know? Yeah. So, so you so never let, know. Yeah. So let's just finish it off with any, any word on a, a new album? Or yeah, yeah. On it's, it, it's, or it's do you have time to work on it? It's finished. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> when did you do it on the road? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to ride on the road, I'll tell you. It's yeah. tough, man. It's tough. Um, no, we did it right before we came on this tour. We did it in like five days. Same same guy producing it, yeah. mixing it. Yeah. Um, um, we have a new guitar player. Not a lot of people know that. Um, you have two guitar players now, or no, just the one? No, just the one. Still Brent, the one. Brent's gone. Um, but uh, the cool thing is, the, the guy we have, I mean, I've known him for 20 years. He's our drummer's brother-in-law as well. He produced the EP and the record. He helped Brent write a lot of the solos. Like, you know, he's been with us since day one. And he's a fantastic performer and musician. And the stage presence has come up a lot. You know, now I got somebody who's seen the backing vocals for me. So it's good. Um, I think Brent got a little burnt out on touring, you know. But it's not for everybody, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm, we're having a lot more fun now, which is good. And we had a long road ahead, you know. Um, you didn't fall out in a bad way at all with him, did you? No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I, I don't know. I think we have some communication issues at the moment, you know. But, um, you know, we got to keep moving. Hmm. So I don't have time to, you know. I mean, I'm sensitive to everybody's needs. But if you're not, if you're not into doing what's going on, like, then you got to just... You know, we got to do our thing. You know, I can't, I can't stop or take a, a break. You know, when you have that momentum rolling, you have to keep that rolling, you know. And, you know, we weren't going to get a touring guitar player, you know. With, with how close we are and all the touring we do, a touring member becomes a band member, you know. Yeah. And, I, you know, I personally feel that, you know, we upgraded in the guitar player department. And he would say the same thing, I'm sure. You know, Brent knows how good Armand is, you know. And I, you know, we're not going to take a, a step back and, and go, you know, flip flop. We're a three piece band. People want to identify with the band members, you know. And, you know, we had to do this record. We, Brent wrote it with us, which was very cool. Uh, but Armand played his ass off, and, and it's, it's great. You know, it's not coming out until 2017, January, first quarter, though. It's good. Um, and we'll start the whole touring cycle again. Are you okay with that coming out next year, or did you want it out any sooner? No, no. No, I'm fine with it. I mean, like, you know, we're doing... This record came out January of last year, okay? However, you know, I'm so proud of it because it stood the test of time. I mean, come the the year end, you know, near the end of the year, you had all these blockbusters coming out. You had Slayer, Iron Maiden, all this stuff, you know? But still, at the end of the year, you know, we made 30 top 10 lists, we, got, we made five album of the year lists, you know, number one, okay? Um, edging out Maiden and Slayer and shit like that. And, I mean, just to be in the conversation with those bands is like my dream come true, okay? But to see the re... They're, not like the album ever died, but there was definitely a lot more interest at that point, 12 months later, you know? And, and I feel that since we're a younger band, and, and even though we've toured a lot, we haven't toured on a very high level. So... There's a lot of fans that, you know, we played for once and they bought the record and and they love it. 
and they're not gonna and it's like what okay they're not gonna see us live till the next album and we're gonna be playing all these new songs like no that's why we're doing this tour the final curse tour it's this it's full u.s full europe and then a full u.s support you know we're going to south america and mexico for a month in the fall you know so it's like we want this album to have a chance. We want to really bring it to the people now that they've, they're familiar with it, you know. And we're still picking up new people from it, you know. Uh, we don't have the, we have okay. We're we're chained to the big machine, but the big machine is not putting us out there like that, mm-hmm. you know. So it's up to us to do that. So instead of just forcing something out for a handful of fans that are eager for it. You know, I think they could wait a little bit longer and come see us on this with the albums that they love. You know, we're playing every song, every original song in our band's in the band's catalog every night on this tour, you know? So, I mean, it's it's a good show and and uh, you know, people are going to be stoked on it. I mean, uh, the the new shit's done. It's good. It's coming, you know. But we need this out. I think this is a classic album. I think it's a modern classic. I think it's gonna it's gonna hold up over time. And I really want this the touring cycles on this album to be legitimate and and like I want it to I want to look back on it. You know, I feel like I feel like um, I feel like these that today like we live in the musical Great Depression or this is like the Wild West. You know, things are changing. People are freaking out, but there's the true believer still here. People like you. I mean, look, you're a journalist. I don't even know if you get paid for doing this, okay? You do it for the love of the game. Mm -hmm. But these are important times, my friend. People are going to look back on this years from now and go, these were the pioneers. These were the guys that stuck it through, and these are the guys that found out new ways to do things, and that's why we're all still here doing this. Mm. That's why art lives, you know? And and I, I want this album to have that chance and and that's why we're doing this you know and and it's and it's a worthy cause and you know i mean you can just you can tell me after the gig tonight yeah. you know i mean yeah so so that's a, a good note to leave it on i think Jarvis. let's go have a beer let's go <laughs> have a beer thank Cheers. you so much all right all right there you go so uh whole plate full of richie this week and next week tracy g well, you're doing, Tracy. All good. So uh, we'll we're, bo- tr- we're both on that. <laughs> but, uh, nice, uh, long. Basically, we're going to do a full. It's a whole full episode of just Tracy G. So he's, uh, uh, he's great, great guy. Um, another one of these guys that we've had on the show. Always been very supportive of uh, what we do, the projects, helping us out. Uh, he's definitely one of the, the super nicest guys that you'll ever meet in uh, in the music business. And uh, we're happy to have him on and talking about all kinds of stuff and. And it's kind of interesting because each time we have Tracy on, he opens up a little bit more to us. And uh, he was uh, pretty free with the stories this time. He much, was. Much more so than any other time as well. And I uh, uh, definitely appreciate the uh, the trust he places in us and uh, in coming on and talking about shit. But uh, that is uh, that is what is on tap for next week is a 100% Tracy G episode. Well, how long have we talked to him? 80 minutes? About 80 minutes in total. Uh, I don't I don't remember. It was over an hour anyway. But uh, but in the meantime, while you're waiting to hear from Tracy, definitely go over to tracyg.com and get yourself a copy of his brand new one, Tramp. Oh, it's excellent. 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 Super and, uh, heavy. And, and Or even the prior one, this device mm. is also... Like, mm-hmm. is, I knew is nothing really about good. that, and he sent it to us. Yeah, but that's but definitely great album. So yeah, you know, maybe go pick that up. You know, get yourself in the mood for you know next week's show. But uh, but that's uh, that's it for this week. Uh, any final last words? 
No. No, nothing? Nothing. You're always talked out for tonight? I'm talked out. You won't hear from me now for eight weeks. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right. So with that, you know, hey, you know the normal rundown. Follow us on FocusOnMetal.net. You can go to FocusOnMetal.blogspot.com. Uh, Richie is definitely ramping it up on the Facebook pages these days. Uh, been getting lots of reaction from his, uh, his Facebook outbursts there and questions. And, uh, of course, you can always follow us on Twitter as well. So that is a wrap. So for myself and Richie. Have yourselves a good Metal Week, and until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. It's over. Go home.